0: You ready to do this? Yeah, I'm excited. All right, man, do we have a hard out? How are you doing on time?
1: Um, no, I don't think I have a hard out. I think I would say, I mean, how we went last time. Okay. Three-ish. If that, three. Yeah. That's not a, three-ish, it's my heart out. <laughs> All
0: right. Sounds good, brother. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun, and today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Sean Hare. Now, we've had Sean on before, and uh, today we're bringing him back. We're going to talk a little bit about leadership goal setting, hitting your targets, and what all that looks like, uh, being that we just had a massive temporal reset, that being the new year, and everyone is in that energy of got to do something new, got to do something different, got to do something (laughs) bigger, better, man, got to (laughs) change it up, got to switch it up. What do you think about all that stuff, man?
1: I think it's interesting, you know, the joke is that the gyms are full, right, on New Year's, day and the, the week afterwards but then by June and July they're back to the the usual crowd I think that tells us something about our proclivity to want to make goals but the percentage of people that will stick with them
0: yeah for sure why do you think it is that there's such a drop well just using that for example right I know you've been in the workout world you've you've been in CrossFit for a bit you know you've you've gone in and out of I that really generous that space.
1: Jason I appreciate that I'm, I'm, I'm like, if any of my friends hear you say that, I wonder if they'll take issue with that. Sean's in the CrossFit world Well, well feel
0: free to correct me. I don't want to speak out of school here. I've
1: been in a gym before. I've okay. Done, and I've done, a, I've done I've done, some things, but I'm familiar enough to know that that's a you know, a, a joke. It's certainly a punchline in, in American culture. I think it's a couple of things. I think that we do want to be better, right? That's mm-hmm. why there's a whole department of books in a bookstore, self-help. We we know enough about our life to know we don't like it and we want to fix part of it. And so if we say, Hey, fitness is that element that we're missing. Mm -hmm. What's a good motivation to start Ah, new year's as good as any. And so people say, I'm going to, it's going to be different this year. Yeah. And like you, you called it a temporal reset. I think it's a, it's a benchmark and they can kind of put the year behind them of what they would see as, failures of their fitness and set some new goals and, and uh, see how it goes, which isn't bad. I think it just tells us a little bit about ourselves that, that we want to do something new, but the odds are not, well, I won't say not in our favor. They're not great. There are high odds that we stick with our goals.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, you know, you, um, when you look at the stats, for sure, I mean, being a gym owner myself, I see people come and go all the time. It's not just at the beginning of the year. However, they're – and generally what I see – <clears throat> excuse me in uh january it's funny just to kind of riff on that joke a bit is i see january uh as a sort of a steady sort of a, a sort of a climb and then mm-hmm. february is kind of stagnant and then springtime hits and then that's when people are really reminded oh man i'm gonna have to take my shirt off soon <laughs> you know i better get to the gym you know it's getting warm outside kind of a thing mm-hmm. and so even though there might be this desire, this want to have a different body or a higher level of fitness at the beginning of the year. I really see the commitment come on when it's like, okay, I actually have to show my results to someone else. Yeah. And when you have to show your results to someone else, that's when you're convicted, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. As a gym owner, do you think most people's goals are uh, appearance or fitness? I know those don't have to be one or the other, but... some people you can probably tell they have a priority of like the way they appear to other people. And then other people's priority is their own personal health. They want to be happier, live longer, move faster.
0: Yeah. I've never met a person in my entire life that didn't want to be more attractive (laughs) ever, (laughs) you know? Uh And so, I mean, I think vanity always plays a role in that Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like if you're the type of person that wants to be pretty, then more power to you. Right. Like, and in fact on the website, one of my ads I used to run was you know, come work out with us and look better naked, right? That was the whole thing. (laughs) How'd that work? Pretty well, actually, because it just cuts through the noise. It's like we have all these excuses, but underneath what's underneath it, I just want to look good naked. When I get out of the shower, you know, or or I walk into my bedroom with my wife, Mm -hmm. I want to look good naked, right? I want to feel, you know, like I'm this person Who takes care of their body and in order to feel that way i have to do those things right Mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean just kind of cuts through the noise and i think a lot of times people lie to themselves about what they say that they want oh i want to lose weight okay sure but why do you want to lose weight what's the benefit of you losing the weight well you're going to be lighter maybe you can run faster maybe you can jump higher but you're still going to look better naked (laughs) at the
1: end of the day (laughs) you know no i like that that's a great ad yeah I feel that too. I, I know that my wife is super disciplined, so um, she's my accountability. Like she's the one kind of pushing me. And I, we, before we went, uh, we started recording. I told you, like, this, I have not been disciplined in the last month or two, and she's trying to push me that direction, which I, I'm I'm going to go. But I, it's it's helpful to like see like she's prouder of her body, but she is healthier and happier, and she's a good example, of, I would say, of like someone whose discipline is paying off in different areas of their life. Yeah, she looks better, a uh, lot better. But also, she's happier. She's more confident, uh, and and she's taking care of herself in a way that's going to benefit me um, as her spouse. But also, she'll be around longer for her children and happier for her children as a parent. So, it, she's a good example to me of the many benefits of why someone would do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's really—is there not? Is is there ever a good reason not to take care of yourself when you think about it? You know, you get you get one meat suit, right? While you're riding this ball of mud, you got one meat suit. You're not yeah. getting another one until we hit the singularity, whenever that comes. Yeah. We merge with AI. You know. And I, the machines take over. <laughs> <laughs> right? My
1: background um, is, I, I, like, I'm certainly like, I look at the world from a perspective of faith. And so I look at my body as a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take care of it. It's not, I don't want to look at it as from the perspective that it's mine to destroy, but rather that it was a gift from him to take care of. Sure. And I mean, there's all sorts of like biblical truth about taking care of your body and, and exercising and eating well. Uh, but the pragmatics of it, like you said, are true. We get the one. Yeah. <laughs> so From a purely pragmatic perspective. Yeah. We get the one mm-hmm. and I want to take care of it.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And the benefits, like you mentioned are immeasurable, you know, whether they're health or personal or looking better, but the ben- people around you benefit from you being around, being healthy, being more capable being more confident. I mean, you know, none of those things are, can, can be perceived as negative mm-hmm. when you're in the right frame of mind to, you know, create good things in the world. So it's only going to augment a good person's life, right? I agree. At the end of the day, it's, uh, it's one of those things that it, it amazes me that we have a society in which you have to convince people that it's something they should do, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I get it because the way the world has evolved and become really more feminized, the mm-hmm. world is very, very easy, especially in North America. We have it so easy. You know, you can throw a rock and hit a restaurant, yeah. you know, you know, you, you, you don't have to prepare your food. You don't have to go hunt it, kill it. You know, you don't have to plan it, you know, care for it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make your clothes, you know, basically if you have a job and a place to stay and you're earning money, then basically what you do with your time is your time. Yeah. And it's such one of those things where in the past, you didn't have an option to be out of shape, right? Like, you you know, I mean, just not even a hundred years ago, you didn't have an option. Like if you couldn't wake up and till the field, you know, or take care of the farm or take care of the family or whatever the thing was, you were just SOL because you were, you know, 10 miles from your nearest neighbor. Right. Yeah. And they were in the same boat you were. So they didn't really want you showing up at their property. (laughs)
1: Yeah. No, that makes a good point. Men, men, I mean, not just men, men and women both had, a lot more physical demands just in the last century. Oh God, yeah. But for that, you know, you said you see it. I see it. Donuts are good. Video games are fun. The internet is compelling, and so it's not like there is. It's just completely. Uh, I would say a rejection of exercise, a rejection of fitness. It's a choice. It's a choice where people say, "What's what do I want?" Right. And I think probably the the struggle for a gym owner is to say, I know what you want better than you know what you want in this area. You don't really, that donut looks good today, but what you want (laughs) is to look good naked.
0: Yeah. Look good Uh, naked. That's right. N E K K -K 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 -K. (laughs) I D. Look good naked. Naked. That's (laughs) right. One E two K's. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think, I think people have a good idea of what they want. However, when it comes time to pay the price, I think that's when reality sets in. It's like, okay, well, I kind of want it now. I don't want it as much Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's going to cost me a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, if it's going to cost me this much, then maybe that's going to be preventative. Maybe that's going to be high enough of a barrier to stop me in my tracks and keep me sitting where I am, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this is one of those things that that I like to ask people, especially people in your position. I know you do a lot of training with corporate types, with leadership types, with development, you know how do you uh, motivate, or do you motivate, and what do you say? What do you say to people who haven't really thought about the cost of creating the outcome that they want to create?
1: That's a really good question. A lot of the people that I deal with, and I would say most of them, when they first come to me, it's because they know that they have a goal they want to accomplish, uh, or a a position that they want to achieve, and so there it's. It's rare that I'm that I'm like a therapist where I have to like intervene in someone without their consent and like, hey, you need to get your life together. You know, there there might be an element of that sometimes just because we're friends. But by the time they get to me, they, they do have a, an idea in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I think is helpful and and I can use the relationship that I have with those clients as an example is having someone that also appreciates the nobility and importance of that goal and will on days and seasons where you don't have the motivation internally they can hold a mirror up to you and help provide that motivation and that's what I want to do for most of those executives that I coach they're leaders because they understand goals and accountability Mm -hmm. but they need a safe place to have someone else push them and have their own internal goals and be held accountable and I do that for them and I think we all need that you know we, we all need someone to say remember that thing you wanted to do like you mentioned before we went on the air that uh, one person was supposed to do burpees every day someone else noticed they didn't so they reached out and they responded well you're right I want that version of myself I want the version of myself that did burpees every day for these 31 days and so they do it and so I think that's important to find those people that will come alongside you and say your goal was important we want you to be happy so let me help you reach that goal and that's what I do for For people in business and leadership,
0: right? For sure. It's interesting, though. I mean, don't you think that that applies in everyday life, though? I mean, if if let's say you know, let's say you and I are friends. Let's pretend we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Imagine a universe in which we're friends, right? And you tell me, look, Jason, this is an outcome I want to create. You know, and um, I don't know, maybe it's over sipping bourbon, or maybe it's just over dinner, right? Whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. But you tell me this thing, and then I see you straying away from that thing. You know. And I say, hey, hey, buddy, listen, you told me the other night you were after this particular outcome. And I see you over here kind of not not moving toward it, you know. The response to that in most circles is not positive. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you brought that example up with the burpees early because I was using the illustrated positive uh, example of someone receiving that. Yeah. So in your world where someone's paying you to coach them, I'm assuming that they're gonna take the feedback regardless because they're paying to be there. That's right. Right. However, in the real world, why is it that we are so resistant? Why is it you, do you feel that people are so resistant to hearing, hey, man, you're off the path. You need to take a couple steps to the left yeah. or the right or whatever, yeah. you know, without flying off the handle.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think I don't want my confidence in the answer I'm about to give to be confusing. <laughs> I'm confident. It is pride. It is pride. We think we know all the answers. Um, we... we told ourselves that we know what's best for us without exception every day of our life. Uh, and so other people are there. We, this is a selfish issue. We see other people as there to, to augment, supplement, and complement our version of our life. We do not allow people to come in and say, hey, I think the choices that you're making, some of the fundamental assumptions that you're making run contrary to what is best for you might be even contrary to your own stated version of what's best for you because we don't typically, in our pride, allow that. The Bible says, you know, the man that isolates himself is not wise. That was a king that said that. dude had every right to isolate himself. He was the freaking king. He could have killed you on the spot. And he, he was telling his son in that particular passage, the man who isolates himself is not wise. I think what we see there, there's this thing about human nature where when we're alone, Loneliness is real, but the bigger danger isn't loneliness. It's believing all the stuff that we tell ourselves, and then we build build a construct. And if someone else attacks it, then we say, "Well, you're not for me." Uh, one of the healthiest things that I see in business leaders uh, is when they can do what I would say is a healthy thing to do in a marriage. And in a marriage, you say, "What do you see?" You look at your spouse. And, what do you see in me that I need to change? I give you license. I give you permission. What do you see in me you want to change? And that's a healthy marriage uh, if both people enter that conversation in good faith. When a business person says to me, uh, let me tell you what I'm struggling with and will you help me figure out how I need to change? I think that's a really healthy thing to see. But people don't want to do it. And so I, I have personal experience with CEOs that think they are better at every position in the building. Than everyone in the building. And, you know, it doesn't matter. You pick marketing, or you pick coding, or you pick accounting, and they would say I'm better than all of them, um, and then they wouldn't listen to anyone tell them differently. And then I've seen other CEOs who are constantly getting feedback. What do you, where, what do you see that I'm doing that I need to change? Where am I weak? And then they'll, they'll go take classes, or they'll bring people in to watch them in meetings to give them feedback after that meeting. And say, did I come across as arrogant? Did I talk too much? Uh, those are the kind of people that are gonna. Have the better version of themselves in five, ten years, and lead organizations that are productive and efficient for a long time. It's the other people that will have—I I would call—they're tyrants, but they'll have tiny kingdoms.
0: Sure, for sure. Uh, it, but in the in in the private world, right? Like in the world of just friends and family, yeah. for example. You know, you started off with the uh, the marriage example, and then went to the corporate example. But in between that, you know, in that, mm-hmm. in, the, in that world of friends, you know, I think it's very difficult, at least it's been difficult for me to identify people that were truly on that path of, you know, listen, I am seeking this outcome and I do want to hear what you have to say about me, whether it's positive or negative, if you see me straying from this path or you see me, you know, not hitting my targets. And I'm just wondering if if you found a way to identify or sort of maybe run a filter on someone mm-hmm. that you could trust with that level of you know, confidence that, they're, that, that they actually do have your best interest at heart?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, uh, one, I trust my spouse, but you just said <laughs> outside of that as a friend. Uh, at my church, we have core values, and, I, and it's uh, beauty, brokenness, truth, compassion, community. I'll skip all of them because I want to get to the point. The point of the community is, whatever else the other four means, we're committing to work together, laugh together, love together, to be on that mission. And So we're saying to one another in that building, I'm giving you permission to speak into me to make sure we're doing these other core values. Mm. And what I tell people that looks like at church is, I'm giving other members of that church the ability, the permission in fact, I call it like you have a duty. If you see me out at a coffee shop, little cozy with a female that's not my wife, I want you to come to me and say, hey, I, th- I saw you the other day looking a little friendly with someone that's not your wife. Help me understand, because I know that you have told us you're committed to your marriage. Um, or if I'm talking ugly to my kids or being, patient, in, being impatient, I've invited people into that sphere. And I think that's the step. Make it clear. Don't hope you find a friend that will do it, find a friend and ask them to do it and then see if they do it. Mm. So um, I've had people that I worked with and I said, I want you to watch me and make sure I honor my marriage. Not because I think I'm a, you know, a cheater. I just know I'm not perfect. You know, um, our human nature is weird. Human nature says I'm going to work out every day and then we work out four days and then we're done. So I've invited people in. So I would say to answer your question, the key is inviting someone in giving them clear permission to speak into areas of your life and telling them what that looks like. I want to stay married to my wife and have a healthy marriage until one of us dies. And I want men in my life saying, hey, the thing that you're doing, that doesn't seem like a good choice to have a healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. The way that you talk to that other girl, the amount of time you spend with her, I don't think that's healthy. I want people to say that. right? Um, and I want my wife to know that I'm telling other men that. I tell her. In fact, I've told these people around me, uh, not because she asked me to. I want her to know. And so what, what's your goal? If it's fitness, if it's finances, uh, maybe it's spiritual, uh, bring, ask someone. Make sure I'm doing this thing. Will you ask me about it? I'm asking you to ask me about this area of my life. I think that's what you do, and we're afraid to.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely it puts both parties, at least in the mind, I think of the person. I think, well, here's the thing. When it comes to feedback, I think a lot of times we forget to have compassion for the person giving the feedback, right? It's a, you know, you think, oh, man, that that feedback's harsh. Did you see what he said to him? Mm -hmm. You know, and or whatever the thing is, right? Like your performance was crap you know, or you didn't really do great on that test or, you know, your race was, was garbage, you know, what did you do? Stay. I'm not going to have a lot of compassion for you, Jason, if you say (laughs) your performance is crap.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's
0: not going to come across. I mean, obviously I'm (laughs) exaggerating, but the, the point of it is the person giving the feedback is generally perceived as the person who is the aggressor or is the person who is not in a vulnerable spot. However, the reality is that person is in a very vulnerable spot because not only is, is he or she doing their level best to uphold an agreement that they made, they're also putting themselves in a spot to be judged by more than one person and they're putting themselves in a spot to where the, what the feedback is that they're giving might be misconstrued completely as something completely unhealthy or unhelpful or unwanted mm-hmm. even after they've been asked to give it.
1: Yeah, it's a courageous thing. Most of the time, mm-hmm. to give feedback, critical feedback especially. You risk a lot. You risk a relationship. You might risk a job. Uh, you might risk uh, social acceptance in a particular circle. It's a brave thing to give feedback.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, there's, a, there's a great book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Have you heard of that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Dalio runs probably the, the largest uh, private equity investment fund in the world, uh, Bridgewater. Okay. I'm sure everybody uh, listening has heard of that. But his book called Principles, he talks about this. And in Bridgewater, basically, they have this system of weeding people out. And their culture is one that he has termed radical honesty. So in, when you work for Bridgewater, we have what's called radical honesty. They record meetings. So if someone is concerned about something that was said, they can go to the archive, pull up a meeting, and watch what was said. Right. So they keep everything transparent, they keep everything open. They vote on the effective nature of an employee in a particular presentation or particular role. Everyone has the ability to do that from CEO to peon in the company. Like from wow. top to bottom, you have the ability to do that. It's completely equalized in terms of, of what you bring to the table. And he talks about how about thirty percent of the people who apply, knowing that going in, still can't handle it. They still can't handle the fact that people are going to sit down across from them and say, Listen, I heard your presentation. I wasn't really moved by it. And I feel like you need to work on X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Right. And they knew that coming in, they were going to get that feedback. But because we've, we've got that, you know, that ape inside us that, that wants to just respond, that monkey brain that wants to respond mm-hmm. and fight or flight, that lizard brain sitting on top of your, you, you know, on top yeah. of your uh, spine there that wants to run away or either fight. It's uh, it's been really difficult for me to identify people who are actually able to handle that, you know, as I'm a very direct person anyway, and I probably come across stronger than I mean to a lot of times. And so that that's on me. That's something I have to own. And at the same time, being a person who's asked for and received feedback, knowing that I'm going to get it, I still get that little tick at the base of my skull that says, oh, I didn't feel good. Yeah. That hurt, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to sit here and take it. Cause you know what? That's going to pass. And then I'm going to allow this information to wash over me and then I'm going to be able to digest it. And then I'm going to be able to pull a lesson from it.
1: Yeah. I think that's the challenge is not having an immediate negative reaction and then saying, what can, what good can I pull from it? Mm -hmm. And really, I think one of the most mature things that you can do with negative critical feedback is take it back to your circle and go, Not gossip, because I'm not talking like clucking hens. You won't believe what that guy said. I mean, like, hey, God, you know, take it to your team, and you say, hey, guys, I heard this. Tell me, like, tell me what you think about it. Help me get something good from this. And your your good team, right? The people that are really for Jason Archer, will say, yeah, I see that a little bit. I don't know that I would have worded it that way, Jason, but. But right. I see maybe, maybe he meant this because I could see that point. And you, so you take it back to your team. You have the courage to really wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Those are the best ways, I think, to, to deal with it. But our human nature doesn't, doesn't build our social circle with that involved. What we, what we do is we build a social circle with uh, enemies in mind. And so when you criticize someone, you, you send a message, or I should say it this way. When someone criticizes you, our, our reaction is to put them outside of our social circle. Mm-hmm. When someone's nice and says, you know, I can't believe they said that, or um, I would never tell you that. Uh, That's not true at all. They, we let them stay close. And what happens when you build your social circle that way? You have people that, albeit maybe well-meaning, are probably socially immature, are too cowardly to risk a truthful criticism and so you have built a social construct around you that will just only reflect the weakness of your own self the weakness of your lies that that surrounds you Uh, i'm not saying you don't want friends that affirm you. you definitely want friends i'm a big words of affirmation guy i need people to tell me how you did a good job Uh, but i also know that that comes with hearing i did a bad job and that's part of it uh, but I, I think our human nature is to build friends and circles around us that are, our yes, man. I'm not saying anything profound here. I'm saying that reason why we don't get it. You're saying, well, why don't we have it is we spend time just almost subconsciously allowing people to get close because they've taken our side. Sometimes it's just a really petty conflict, you know, um, almost always. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Oh, you're on my side. Um, I, I, um, I got laid off in August from a position I didn't get to get laid off from. And, um, I can say, like, there's it's still a struggle some months later to, like, wonder who's on whose side. And I can just say, if you're listening to this and to you, Jason, there isn't a side. I know there's not a side. I already knew that, actually. <laughs> but our human nature is who's on whose side. Right. Whatever. like And so I have to be careful that, I'm, that I don't let that kind of toxicity creep in. Um, and I would say, as I try to help other people, um, as a friend, that's what I'm trying to do for them. Like, what is it that you've put up as a litmus test for your friends? That might not should be a litmus test. Well, I'm not going to let someone close to me that says blank. Well, maybe someone needs to say blank. Have you thought about that? Well, this happened to me, and this person still won't admit blank is wrong. There could be a bunch of reasons why they won't admit blank is wrong, but does that mean you shouldn't be friends? Like having someone that can work through that with you. And I think we just hate doing it because it's so much easier to sit back, bring in the yes men, and enjoy life uh, throwing criticisms out of the circle to the others <laughs> yeah. rather than receiving it in.
0: Right, make it us versus them, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it is just sheer laziness. It really is. As you think about it, right, we talked about this. We talked about getting that, that little spark ignited, at, you know, and that lizard brain that wants to fight or flight. The spark gets ignited. Now you have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. You have to process it. That might take some time, right, depending on how well-versed you are in processing those little you know, little, little things that pop up for you. Right. Yeah. And so now you have a lot of work to do and you're already busy and you got a family and you got a job and you got all this other stuff going on. Yeah. So it's just so much easier to sit back and have someone tell you everything you do is perfect. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then what happens when we do that is we stay the same person. So it doesn't matter what we want to create because like you were saying, the people around us are reflecting back exactly who we are is okay. When the reality of it is to get what we want, we've got to become something more. And so we end up stagnant yep. and, and unhappy.
1: It's really good point.
0: Wake up at 65 and wonder, hey, why didn't <laughs> I ever do that?
1: That's right. You know. That's right. And you put yourself at odds with all those that might risk the opportunity to speak to you. Mm-hmm. So when you say to yourself subconsciously, the only people I allow in my inner circle are those that say yes, those that adore me, those that say my strengths are strengths and I have no weaknesses, Then you're also saying subconsciously, at least subconsciously, to those that, though they may be loving and well-intentioned, risk the storm and step into your life and say, hey, I'm not sure that's a good choice. Um, You push them away. Mm -hmm. I think that affects your marriage because if anyone knows you're not perfect, it's your spouse. (laughs) And so what happens when you build your friends with yes men and then your spouse just has a normal conversation about how you don't take out the garbage or you didn't pay your these bills on time or you didn't keep, you know, you're procrastinating. It seems like a huge affront to you. How dare you? Because you've built your whole life with yes men. Right. And so now someone just dare approach the throne with criticism <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't know what's happening here. Well, what's happening here is we've built, we've built a life for ourselves everywhere we look mm-hmm. and Finally, the garbage has to get taken out, the bills have to get paid, and someone just maybe even sweetly says, we got to do something about that, and it just rocks our world. I think it's, it keeps us from people that love us and want us to do better. That's such a
0: huge point, man. That, that was profound, to come back to your point of prof- profundity. So it's, it's one of those things where you have someone affirming who you are in one domain, you come into another domain, the home, you're not taking the trash out picking up after yourself whatever right you throw your dirty underwear on the doorknob yeah, that's right <laughs> right whatever the thing is yeah and now there's a complaint right and and that pl- complaint results in a conflict well why should that happen well everyone over here tells me i'm perfect but when i come home now all of a sudden i feel less than perfect <laughs> right. right when the reality <laughs> was you never were there you go other say let's <laughs> and
1: and uh yeah well, don't bury the lead you're not perfect i'm not <laughs> perfect <laughs> Um, I think it's a I think it's a healthy thing to build into your life uh, people that love you enough to hold you accountable on those goals and, and you know we're in a, we live in a day and age and you and I are I would say similarly aged um, and what I'm, and what I've noticed about people our age is most of us are still figuring out how to make friends that aren't like what I would call college style friends nothing wrong with friends you make in college but most of those are made because of huge amounts of time and in extremely close proximity, right? You're together 10 hours a day, growing up like 20 feet from one another. And then you say, well, how do you you build friends as a grown-up when I might see this person an hour a week? Maybe not that some weeks. Uh, And I would say intentionality and knowing what a friend looks like. You didn't even know what a friend was in college. You might have felt it. You might have had a good one. I'm not trying to say that, but you weren't trying to say, I don't know where to find them or get them or what to do and it might be college, it might be high school, whatever, you, you fill in the blank, but as middle-aged men, uh, middle-aged humans, because it's the same for females too, knowing what a friend looks like and saying, it's not just the guy that will come over and drink beer, eat wings, uh, or lemon water, <laughs> and, and, say, and watch a football game and not give me any grief. Yeah, that's friendly. I like that. I'm an extrovert. I enjoy that time. I won't have any complaints. But if that's what I have for 10 years... Um, when your life gets wrecked, when a child dies, when your marriage is on the rocks, when you don't know who you are, the beer drinking buddy pro- probably doesn't have a good answer for you. You don't know that he does. He might not have a good answer for you. You better be intentional so that when you say, I, my health is in shambles and I need to go to the gym three times a week or I'm going to die early for my, for my spouse or my fa- finances are wrecked, I need you to make sure I'm not gambling or spending money on this nonsense or you fill in the blank. You need, you need to have cult, built friends, cultivated relationships that can serve you well. For sure. And I, my, my fear is far too many people still judge friends the way we did in college. They're close. They're not, you know, we get along and we both like the same football team.
0: That's a great point. You know, when I, I'm thinking back as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking back to early life and I am coming up with a blank on a time where anyone ever told me, how to pick a friend, Mm. you know, or what litmus test to run, you know, what filter to put them through to figure it out. It's like, you you know, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right. Um, and I think that's, I think that's kind of true for a lot of people. I haven't, you know, obviously I don't know the, you know, the the vast majority of people out out there listening, but at the end of the day, a lot of the people that I've talked to, it seems as though that is the case. Like I've never heard someone say, Hey, you know, when I was a kid, my dad sat me down and he said, listen, son, this is how you pick a friend. Kind yeah. Kind of a thing.
1: No, so, I don't. I'm even now that you say that, like, man, I need to go have some conversa- conversation with my kids. Um, I've had conversations with my kids that went like this. Hey, that's not what a friend acts like. Hey, <laughs> right. <laughs> you, whatever you, you think. Tell them it what is, they're not. You're right. You know, we don't tell them what they are. Yeah. This guy that knocks on the door every day that wants to play with you, but then makes fun of your clothes and your toys and dumps stuff on your head. That's not how friends act. You need to know there's better friends in other neighborhoods. <laughs> <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> you know? Um but yeah, I think man, I think that that's good. My no, mind's reeling because I like to I like to write. Maybe that would be a good article to like write what you know signs of a good friendship or a healthy friendship, uh, because we don't really have a, a hard time finding people that are yes men that have common interests. And that, I don't want to downplay that if people like laughing and watching sports or are um, enjoy a, a same movie as me or I like hanging out with them. I do. Sure. I don't. I don't sit there the whole time going, I can't believe this guy hasn't like, criticized me yet. <laughs> Why can't we yeah. be friends? Uh, so I think common interest is a great way to bring people together. But I think it's a good check for a person to be mature enough to know like who are those people that I've invited in to speak truth. That's a smaller circle anyway, right? Wouldn't you agree that like, yep. you might have a lot of uh, football-watching buddies, a lot of you know push up. Buddies, Mm -hmm. but then the circle of men and that I'm going to say, let's say to me, I'm not sure you're being a good husband right now. That's going to be a smaller group.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just, I think that's going to happen by default because the, the reality is tight knit relationships require a lot of commitment, you know, no matter what the nature of that relationship is. If it's tight knit, that means time. That means investment. Mm -hmm. You know, that means community in some way, shape or form fellowship. And that, that all requires a cost, you know, to create that outcome, like we were talking earlier. So I think a lot of times today, when I think about it, I I look across, I'll just use myself as an example. I look across a lot of the people that I know, and I, I see them as being, as serving a particular value proposition in my life, but no one per person really serving all of them. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's people I can call and say, Hey, listen, I need to run a business idea past you, or, you know, I'm going to do this thing, you know, tell me what, uh, what I'm doing wrong, you know, mm-hmm. give me some feedback kind of a thing. And I think in your example, when you're talking about, you know, the fun aspect or just hanging out with people, I don't think, I don't think those things should be necessarily mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it comes down to how much time do you invest with maybe three of the guys you watch football with. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just, just a limit, there's just a limit. You can only have so many tight knit relationships just based on time and then you're it radiates right. out from there.
1: I think that's a really important point. We are limited in time. How are we going to build relationships? Right. And that will involve saying no to some people. Uh, and I don't mean like the social media meme, you know, shake the haters off kind of attitude. I mean more of a positive directed intentionality at healthy relationships, which will just by default exclude other relationships.
0: Exactly. And I think you, you made a great point right there uh, in terms of saying no and, and younger you know, talking about earlier relationships, earlier friendships. I think that's one of those things where I know when I was a kid, I didn't know which ones to say no to. If I, if I felt community or if I felt, you know, humor or laughter mm-hmm. or accepted by a person, then that person was my friend. Yes. You know, Same. and that Same was pretty bro. much it. You yeah. know, that was the only gateway I had on it. But now in my life, like I, you know, when I'm looking at what I want to create, there's a very, you know, narrow gate that I'm looking to pass through and only a few people are going to follow me or come with me, mm-hmm. so at the end of the day, like those nos like you're saying man that's that's going to help you get there that's yeah. That's crucial, I think
1: yeah, and it, I think it's interesting how that the dynamic of trying to build those relationships and it does offend other people, you know you're uh, and it sounds like you, your gym's doing well, and so you've got I don't know how many people you have there, but uh, more than you can be best friends with, right and so there are people that you are friends with, and then there are probably other people. That are on the peripheral of that, and you are like, man, this is getting awkward, Sean. No, but that are seeing <laughs> that they wish they could be better friends with Jason Archer, but you just can't be right. friends with everyone. And and er- and everyone kind of has that, um, uh, I would say, issue to deal with. Especially if they mm-hmm. they have any kind of personal charisma or leadership, there there's people v- vying for their attention, and and you have to choose uh, what are the ones that are going to be most healthy for me. You know. I have to, I- all relationships have to be completely self-serving. There's right. an issue of love and sacrifice. But even then, you can't sacrifice for everyone. That's right. You can't love everyone equally uh, because there's only so much time. Day.
0: Yeah. So, so, I mean, sacrifice brings up a lot of imagery. I think in terms of sacrifice, if you are, I'm going to use the word sacrifice with air quotes. <laughs> if you're sacrificing for something that you want, are you really sacrificing you know, it sound, it I mean, that's really, I'm not sure that that's a sacrifice. Yeah. It, you know, if, if you're doing it to get what you want, then you're just paying the price that's required to get that thing. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, sacrificially is more of a selfless thing, like what you were talking about earlier, but you made me think about something when you were, when you were talking just now, and that was this idea that, you know, you have a little bit more of a vanilla relationship with a lot of people nowadays, mm-hmm. as opposed to like this really, dark chocolate, deep relationship with a couple, you know, it's really tasty and, (laughs) and, and, and just fun. Right. And when I look at the, the world that we live in today, so many people like we have, we're sitting here in this beautiful community Anthem, you know, in a house, you know, I've met a few of my neighbors. We all have our little boxes that we live in. Mm -hmm. We all have our little cars that we ride around in. And then when we're not doing that, we're, you know, on the device, you know, checking in on other people's lives—we're we're voyeurs in other people's yeah. lives—and to an to an extent, it makes you in a way vanilla because you're generally appealing. Like, if you want to be in that circle, in that social circle, because you're not seeing people in everyday life, mm-hmm. you're seeing them on social media, and you're seeing you know this carefully curated collection of crap that they yeah. put on social media. It's like you you have to almost vanillaize yourself to be in that circle. And change the way you would speak, or change the way you would present yourself, Mm -hmm. so that you're not offensive to a larger group of people who are now seeing you because your face is plastered all over every social media outlet. What are your thoughts on that? Am I just no?
1: That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that uh, from a perspective of uh, would it take like the edges off of individuality to know that you're exposed to so many people, and I could I could see that. I could I could see it I could see it work both ways, but I definitely see what you're talking about. Is that that knowing that a lot of people will be exposed to you and your personality, there could be that tendency, that temptation to sure to kind of appease everyone.
0: Well, look at that. Uh, like we were talking off mic, so we're here in in the in Anthem, guys, so the very north edge of Phoenix, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this little community that we live in is, you know, it's it's a nice little spot filled with families and and crazy people. <laughs> mostly families and crazy people and uh you know we have facebook groups and one of the groups we were talking about earlier this anthem stuff group like i jumped in this group and i just couldn't believe some of the craziness that was that people were saying to one another they would never say in real life right Mm-mm. and i'm thinking of this conversation that we're having here and and if i had if i had attempted to have a rational conversation inside the context of that group it would never happen because of the bandwagon effect of everyone jumping on the sarcasm and just trolling and trolling and trolling and mm-hmm. trolling. It's never going to happen, right? Yeah. People are always going to make fun of someone's legitimate complaint, right? And then the person who has legitimate complaint today is going to make fun of someone else's legitimate complaint tomorrow. Because yeah. no one's really considering the other person. But if you're in that dynamic where you're exposed to a lot of people and you have a fear of safety or a fear of acceptance or of ostrac- ostracision, really, yeah. then you're going to tailor your behavior. You're, you're going to. Yeah. Because you have to do that to make yourself feel okay in that moment. yeah and I feel like that's what the digital world has become for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and then of course, that prevents you from becoming, because now not only are you not who you are, you're something else entirely made up by a bunch of people you've never even met.
1: Yeah yeah, you're, If your response is, "I want to be accepted by what I see, you're going to become vanilla, and the individuality, the, the beautiful part of you, the creative part of you could be, could be sanded down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could look at it and be completely intimidated and afraid. And then we see those people kind of withdraw and are super isolated. They don't get on social media. They don't have friends at all. And they, and they're, cause they're afraid of what they see and they know they're nothing like what they see. And so they're afraid. I think that's the reality that happens too. But yeah. That I think every time you and I talk either on the air or off, it has to do with the, the topic of social media and its impact on relationships and culture comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's bad that it happens that way, but it definitely happens. I think the way that you are saying I said definitely, I think it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. What you're saying, where we, we are changing who we are to appease what we see as the masses on social media.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's really an interesting dynamic because it's so unreal. And you think about it, you know, uh, just to go back to that group example where people are, or just Facebook in general, people are just trolling one another, whatever. And, their keyboard commandoing saying things they would never say in real life because there's no threat of violence, right? There's no real threat you have to back up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you look at that and I think, and I think about this stuff, I just wonder, you know, what, what the end result of that is going to be. You know, if, if, um, if the conversation, if you're trying to have a rational conversation on social media or in real life, obviously you have a better chance of doing it in real life because the threat of violence is there or the threat of ostracision or whatever the thing is, social media, not so much. So what is the purpose of social media? If you can't communicate, what do you really, I mean, we're basically, are we just turning it into like one big yearbook? Yeah. You know, class of 92 or whatever. Yeah. You know, this is all we can say here. And it's, if it turns into that, then it just turns into that in advertisements. It's like, I mean, who wants that? Yeah, I think that's one reason Facebook's uh, it has become a little bit less, you know, inviting for a lot of people because it's just it has become in a lot of areas just kind of blah mm-hmm. and ads, and yeah. now they've bought Instagram and of course and they're doing the same thing there now.
1: Yeah, uh, probably Instagram not so much, but Facebook certainly amplifies the sensational, and sometimes the sensational is true, sometimes it's a troll on anthem stuff, yeah. but Facebook. <laughs> amplifies the sensational for sure mm-hmm. and so i think that's that is uh, i don't want to say a net negative but it, it is at least partially negative <laughs> for our culture uh and for our own psyche like we you don't see what i would call like normal healthy conversation on facebook um, it's not absent there are people that do it well mm-hmm. um, and i really want to try to do it well like uh, I'm, my wife does it really well uh, she does a good job I think of balancing what's real and not real and letting people into like, what's fake and not fake about our life and her struggle um, but generally the things that are the most sensational the angriest, the bitterest uh, salacious those are the things they are going like, to get comments and likes and reactions and, and spread on social media and then we tell ourselves I have to make my life like that or I have to hate that and so we live our life feeling these negative extremes. I have to be this thing that's sensational, or I have to really get amped up enough to hate that sensational thing.
0: Right. Or either it's just one of those things, again, you know, how bad do you want to fit in versus how bad do you want to be you plus more of you? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think one of the ways it works is, you know, it's just peer pressure, just peer, peer pressure. If, you know, if you put something out that's fantastic and it's deep and, you know, it can really impact lives and it gets one like, it's like, oh, man, should I take that down? Right. You know, there are people who literally will take that down, right? Yeah. I'll just keep it up out of spite. I'm like, I'm not taking take it down. That you know? Take that, Facebook. Take that, Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you see what I'm getting at? Like, So if you want to participate in the in the mob of, you know, likes and comments, then a lot of times you do have to, you know, or you don't have to, but, you know, the vast majority of people do resort to that sort of thing, right?
1: Yeah. What works on Facebook is... Rarely what works in authentic relationships. Right, of course. You know. Course. Which is why some of those people probably don't have a lot of friends, but they do sit at home and troll anthem stuff.
0: But the thing of <laughs> yeah, but the thing that's interesting about that is I think it's a it's a great window into human psychology because people are doing there what they're thinking, but that they would never do in real life. And a a big piece of that is mob mentality. Yeah. Right. And so when we were talking earlier about, you know, targets for the new year and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. you know. Who's the mob that that's influencing your mentality, right? Yeah.
1: Let me let me pose a different uh, possibility. What's happening sure. there too? Uh, for sure, I believe what you're saying about the mob mentality. Mob mentality is true. But I think there's also this element of the social media where um, there is no delay between what you feel and how fast everyone can <laughs> see it. So, you know, how you know we talked earlier about People that like had to exercise and to steer the horse down the field, you know, to, as they worked the plow. Well, that same guy gets mad at his neighbor. He's got a 20-minute horse ride or maybe, you know, a 40-minute hike, and he's like, you know, he's calmed down by the time he gets to get to do, and that's just one you better neighbor. better hope he has. Right, yeah. right. You know, uh, if you had to, like, do a 20-minute hike or a 40-minute horse ride before you posted anything on Facebook, it would look way <laughs> different. It would look way different. And so there's an element. My dad's a pastor, and he said he had to get off of Facebook for a little while because the stuff that he was seeing his own church members and people in his community post was disheartening to him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it is it can be disheartening in one sense. It's like, oh, this seems fake. But on the other hand, a lot of it is just unfiltered. Mm-hmm. It's just so unfiltered. And, like, it is there. It's just you wouldn't have said it if you had literally 10 more seconds to think about it. Or if you were around the table with normal human beings looking at you and you see their soul in their eyes, you're like, I probably wouldn't have worded it so passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Or I wouldn't have said it at all. So there is that element of like the mob mentality, but I also see this thing of like it's just unfiltered, which I think is it reveals that we're not as good as we think we are. You know, we I did think that thing. I did post that hateful thought or that passive aggressive comment, that inside joke on Facebook. Uh, There's no penalty for it, and I'll get a couple likes from the people that are in the know and that always are yes men. But it doesn't teach us, I think, how to be better humans and build deeper, meaningful, more challenging relationships.
0: Yeah, I think. I I I love that. I believe that one hundred percent, spot on. I think the thing that is, or could be construed as a positive from that is, basically in that scenario, (coughs) excuse me, where we're talking about the the mob mentality, and you're talking about the trolling and the and the rest of it. There's a certain aspect of okay, well, can I stand in the fire, and and what is my reaction to it? You know, (coughs) excuse me. Um, what is my reaction to it? You know, how am I feeling when I see that? You know, what's the what's the internal emotional response I'm having when I see someone abused or a comment that's just a throwaway comment that shouldn't have been there in the first place or something that's just not helpful. You know, it's just not providing any value to the conversation. What do I do? You know, what 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 am I feeling about that? And you have all these opportunities to to decide who you're gonna be. You know, am I gonna be the guy that chimes in and makes it worse? Or am I going to be the guy that, you know, sends a private message and says, you know what, don't worry about that. It, yeah. It's no big deal. Yeah. You know, or am I going to be the guy that jumps in the, the comment stream? This is normally what I do. I'll jump in there and I'll defend. <laughs> You're that guy. I'm, yeah, I want to protect everybody. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, this person's in my circle. I got to protect them. Yeah. You know, not that they need my protection, but uh-huh. that's just how I feel about it, you know. And so, I've, you know, I've, I've fought back many a day of wanting to jump in and fight someone else's fight because it weakens them, right? Sure. And so at the end of the day, like, all right, well, yeah it's an interesting psychological experiment. It's not real, um, but it might be in terms of what's happening between someone's ears. And so because of that, what knowledge can I glean from it? And if it's making me feel this way, how is it making other people feel? And so how am I going to use that knowledge in and of itself? Am I going to brighten someone's day or am I not? And, you know, I I know that you have read a lot of my stuff. I've read a lot of your stuff and we're both out there doing our best to give value to people and, you know, provide positive uplifting messages and information. And of course that's not always accepted uh, widely, mm-hmm. but by the same token, it feels good. Yeah. When you get that one person who's, who says, you know what, man, I, I didn't comment on your stuff, but man, you know what you, what you wrote the other day really impacted me tremendously. And I just yeah. want to say, thank you. You know, that means everything because, you know, t- to me in the past, the, the old me was the guy that would stay up all night, and argue politics, mm-hmm. you know, and I made a conscious decision 3 or 4 years ago that I would never do that again. Yeah. Cuz you know, I was I was literally living that meme, you know, I can't go to bed cuz someone's still wrong on the internet kind of yeah. a thing. <laughs> and it you know, it's consuming my life and so yeah. it, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter how many, you know, philosophical arguments I made and you know, I'm not right. going to change anyone's mind. So it's like why why am I wasting my precious life force mm-hmm. you know, doing this thing? They didn't come to be changed. Yeah, they didn't come to be changed. They came to be entertained. Yeah. Yeah. Entertain the masses, right? So, yeah, I mean, but I mean to tie all this back to you know, what we originally started talking about coming to, you know, like creating new outcomes and, you know, setting up the new year for success. Um, I brought this up, I think really because it's just an interesting social experiment of how the mob can impact how you think. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at Facebook as that type of experiment, how capable of you are standing, are you uh, standing on your own? Yeah. You know, how capable of you are separating yourself and saying, you know what, I understand that my circle of friends or my old circle of friends or the vast majority of people, you know, are consigned to live a life of quiet desperation. That's cool. And mm-hmm. if they want to live that, that's great. However, I still have to cut myself from the herd and I have to make a new decision. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the, the piece that's missing right now.
1: That's really interesting. I, I do think that social media has put us in this weird position of trying to figure out what's real, what's fake, what's real and negative, what's fake and positive, and then the, the converse as well, um, and then weighing all that together and trying to find out the best path forward for us and who our best partners are on that path. It has, it has become, I won't say um, more complicated. I will say um, a different kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be more complicated, but it's at least a different kind of complicated than before. And so that's why people like you and I will sit here and say, um, how can, uh, wh- why are people making New Year's resolutions and not keeping them? How can we figure out what we can do to help make that not happen? How can we work on ourselves and make that not true about ourselves? Mm-hmm. How can I tell my wife I'll organize the garage and then three months later make sure it's organized? <laughs> you know, it's all the, it's, it, they're connected and, and, we're learning about ourselves. We have to, in order to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And so as you learn about yourself, this is what I, every time I listen to you, I hear this. As you learn about yourself, you're seeing stuff that we should be learning from uh, the macro, at the macro level. And Facebook is an incredible, you know, sampling of things that are happening, happening at the macro level. Uh, doesn't mean it's all true. It doesn't mean it's all positive. But it doesn't mean none of it's true. It doesn't mean none of it's positive. So I think we can take lessons from a macro level, things that are happening on our culture and, and Anthem stuff. I'd say, what does that tell me about <laughs> me? And how can I, you know, do better at achieving the goals, the new year resolutions that I have coming up?
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely has an impact. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. I, I think that at the end of the day, it's been, and I alluded to this earlier for me personally, it's been a very interesting experiment in terms of just, going against some of the garbage and then going against old versions of myself. Like I said earlier, like, uh, you know, five years ago I was into politics. I haven't made a political post in five years. I just made that decision. I wasn't going to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. And, but every time, you know, something comes up that's really anti philosophy, anti thought, I mm-hmm. find myself wanting to do that. So I have to, I have to have that conversation yeah. with myself and say, no, that's not who you are. You don't do that anymore. Yeah. We're, we're, we're past that point. We're doing this thing over here now. Yeah, but I don't see. Well, I guess it wouldn't be fair, fair for me to say that. I think I, I don't see a lot of people using it that way. And of course, I'm using, you know, just the people, of course, that I'm connected to on Facebook. I don't see a lot of people using it that way, but I do see it happening. Mm-hmm. In what see, way? I see people, you know, sharing more of their vulnerabilities. Oh, yeah. You know, I see people um, taking more control. Over what they consume to a large extent, and of course, this has to do with the fact that I've changed my circle you know over the years, right? Just change your friends or change your friends. and <laughs> at the end of the day, some of my friends had to be changed, and Facebook makes that really easy. You can just literally block them if you don't yeah. want to see them again, they're gone yeah. right And so at the end of the day, I, I see people taking more control over it is what they want to see, yeah, then that could have the the same spin or the same magnifying effect of you only see what you think you should see which mm-hmm. makes it you know confirmation bias type stuff yeah which might might be wrong in the opposite direction you know for you're sure. not fighting with people now you're everyone's agreeing with you algorithms <laughs> are always
1: going to exploit confirmation bias that's how they work oh yeah for sure uh but so i i think two things one it's good to block people that put you in an unhealthy place block hide mute whatever the word is It can be temporary unfollow. I don't mean be angry, but if it puts you in an unhealthy emotional place, uh, I'm fine with like building a boundary there. You know, I know some people would say, well, I'm deleting Facebook or deleting Instagram. That's fine as well, if that's what you need to do. If the whole experience puts you in a in a unhealthy place, but I think you've got to draw those lines. So then you say, well, does that mean the only people that I'm bringing around me are like yes men? Mm -hmm. Or am I playing a confirmation bias? And I would say. You, you got to answer that question for yourself. But most of that, in my opinion, like the, the people that are coming into your life and go, hey, Jason, are you? I want to keep you accountable to your goals or to this vision that you had. That doesn't happen over Facebook. Like that's not, I shouldn't say it. Doesn't usually happen over Facebook in my experience. Right. Uh, so make Facebook into what you want it. That's what I would say. Make Facebook into what you want it to be, but know that it is. it does affect you. You know, it's like, it's like eating, eat what you want, <laughs> but also know it has an impact. You make the decision. Like right. it has an impact on what you eat, how you feel, what you look like, <laughs> how you look naked. <laughs> it does impact. So what do you want? Don't, don't say you want the, the healthiest version of yourself and then keep eating the donuts. Don't say you want to be um, a person that's kind and full of forgiveness and authenticity and then let your life be devastated by mm-hmm. someone you barely know who posted a weird thing that you disagree with on Facebook. Right. If you can't handle it, and I don't even mean that bad about you, just don't engage. Just, don't pre- just know what you want. What do you want? And if Facebook's helping you get there, great. Uh, now, also, <laughs> the deeper level to that is, bring people into your life that can bounce ideas off of you about what you want. Yep. I'm not trying to say whatever you want is okay because that's not true at all. Hitler knew what he wanted, too. Um, that's, I'm using an extreme example to make a point. The fact that you sincerely want it and have clarity about your goal doesn't mean it's good. Right. That's why you need other people around you. That's
0: exactly it, man. That's exactly it. And that was the point I was alluding to. Like, if if we can make Facebook whatever we want it to be, does it really serve us in that way? Well, I think does it serve me is probably the wrong question, I'm going to say. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that and say that if it serves the, the positive outcomes I want to create, then Mm. it's doing the right thing. And as far as like blocking people goes, it just comes back to in real life. It's saying, no, you know, it's just, no, this is not, uh, yeah, this is not serving me or my outcomes. And so I'm going to say, no, this isn't something I need to feed. I think a lot of people forget my friend, Brooke says this a lot. She talks about in uh, nutrition, nutrition goes past food it goes into what you consume. So everything you see in here, you can think of as feeding your brain. And if I'm feeding my brain the wrong things, either through eyes, ears, or some other fashion, then it's not serving me. Yeah. And so hit the block button as many times as you need to to get to what is serving you. Yeah, Because like good. you said, Facebook's going to serve you up what it is that it thinks you want to see.
1: Yeah. So I, I just shooting from the hip here and thought of this metaphor. I think knowing what you want to get out of Facebook before you go is important. Yep. Sit down and think about, what do, what do I want to get out of Facebook? Otherwise, it's like going to a grocery store with no shopping list. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to be as disciplined. Facebook's going to give you something every time you go. Right. What do you want it to be? When Facebook is at its best for me, it's when, I'll, I'll say it this way, I have the most selfish view of it. And what I mean by that is I'm posting on it and I'm looking at engagement with those posts. That's when it's serving me the best. Now, I'm not saying it has to serve everyone the best, but I'm not going through my feed allowing my day to be good or bad based on what other people are saying. Mm-hmm. When, I'm not, when I'm doing that less and it's more about making Facebook work for me, I posted a thing. Did it do well? How are people engaging? What can I learn about myself and the things I'm saying or other people are responding to this thing I'm trying to do? Mm-hmm. I think that's good. I'm making it work for me. I'm learning about myself and others and my messaging. But when I go to Facebook consuming completely sponge, when I'm all sponge, that's when I think it's just unhealthy. Yeah,
0: for sure. I agree with that. I mean, it's like it's like you said earlier, it should serve you in some way, shape or form. It's just a tool. And it's interesting because, you know, our generation is the first generation to grow up with something like this. Yeah. And so we're really still figuring it out. You know, no one really has the answer on where it's going to go, or where it's going to be. You know, obviously it's turned into a, a massive advertising platform. Yeah. And I think that that will be its ultimate des- demise in terms of attention. Attention has already gone in, in a million different places. However, in terms of does it serve me? Can I say no to it? Or am I addicted to it? Is it something that's sucking up my life force? You know, my, you know, I'm with people. Am I on my phone? Those are the questions I think we need to be asking in terms of, you know, output. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, will Facebook do this for me or will Facebook not? Yeah. I like what you said earlier, you know, when it's serving you, you're controlling it. Yeah. It's not controlling you.
1: Yeah. If you know what you want to get out of it, I think that's good. 100%. Something, something as dangerous as Facebook. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're going to a museum. <laughs> right. You know, Facebook is serving things up. The best and worst, raw, unfiltered twenty four seven from people far and near. I think it's I just think it emotionally it's risky. It's worse than playing with fire. If I said if I only said it's like playing with fire, people would be like, Yeah, but fire's dangerous. I think Facebook's far more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> far so, more dangerous.
0: So so go a little deeper on that. You said emotionally risky. I like that phrase. What did you mean by that?
1: Well, we put ourselves out there. I mean, you alluded to it when we kind of made this joke about when you post something and it gets no likes or one like, and how that makes you feel, and I think we both know hey that's part of it you know can't let that ruin your day, but there are people whose day is ruined mm-hmm. uh, or they see a friend at a party that they didn't get invited to, or they see someone they thought was a friend, but now they find out that, that person likes a political you know a politician that that they don't like. Can I be friends with that person <laughs> uh or they find out that someone has a spiritual view that they didn 't have? or they seem a little more dogmatic on that view than they like. And all of these things are nuances that, that we make judgment calls on social media that would never happen in person. Right. Uh, or I should say never, rarely happen in person. I get along with people that are Very on both rarely. sides of the political spectrum. I get along with people that don't believe what I believe spiritually. Uh, I get along with people that have different ph- philosophies about every, like any part of life, and I get along with them fantastically. Uh, I always have. But they seem a hundred times more annoying when they talk about those things on Facebook. I mean, And I don't know what that is. And it's not just me. And I think I'm pretty level-headed when it comes to Facebook. <laughs> so I, I just think it does so much damage to our day. Even if I don't say anything. Even if I don't like block them. Even if I don't yeah. mute them. And like I am unfazed. I spend emotional energy. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean by risky. And what, the way that I've talked about it with my wife is this. If I see something that bothers me and I walk away from Facebook bothered and what you fill in the blank with bothered looks like, okay, I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Whatever the feeling is because I saw some post. Well, I bring that home with me and now my kids have a father who is frustrated, angry, bothered, who is less emotionally available. Maybe 5%, maybe 60%, maybe a hundred percent. My wife has a husband who is less emotionally available. Why? Because I gave something to freaking Facebook, I gave it to it. I went there and I gave it to some post because I'm rando and a group said something about America and I didn't like it. And so I <laughs> argued and I come back. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. Like what am I going to give to Facebook? And I, uh, I think people go unaware of how much they're giving mm. to it. They're not using it. They're being used. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to say this like 1984 moment. Um, it might be worse than 1984. I'm just saying, <laughs> the, you need people in your life to say, what do you want from what you're doing? What is the point of your choices? And I would say, what do you want from Facebook? What do you hope to get out of it? Fashion yeah. advice? Okay. Then build it around that. Right. Business connections, like a you know, softer version of LinkedIn? Great. Know that's what you're doing. Are you going to Facebook to as your only means of authentic friendship? You've got problems, and you should talk to people about how to build friendships. <laughs> 100%, yeah. You know? And so I think it depends, like, why am I, are you going there to be affirmed, to have people like your post, to look at your lips and your eyebrows and your dress and your new hairdo? And I would say, man, you got problems. Like you have a really shallow life. And you, the, the danger with Facebook, Facebook then is you may get what you want and what you want is silly. That's
0: it. Sorry.
1: Sorry if that's you, uh, listener, but uh, that's why (laughs) I don't want my children to have it. I'm afraid they'll get what they want. Yeah. Not that they'll get something they don't want. I can protect them from that, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid they'll get what they want. They don't know what they want. So that, I don't know if that <laughs> that answers your question. No, that's
0: that dude, that's heat. I love it. That's fantastic. I mean, I, you I think you you brought some some serious weight with that last piece talking about, you know, being afraid of people getting what they want and not knowing what you want. Man, that's powerful. I mean, you can just I mean, imagine you know how how one decision can change a life. You know, if you're, if you're consuming from a platform, Facebook, whatever, pick one. They're all, the, you know, they're all similar. Pick one. You're you're consuming content from it and it causes you to make a decision and then shape your life from that decision. Whatever that decision is, whether it's politics, uh, friendships, romantic relationships, you know, whether you choose to plug in or not plug into the people around you, you know, that's going to impact you for years and years and years and years, or it could mm-hmm. at least. And so... When you show up to something that has that power, you should respect it. You know, you should come to it with respect and say, you know, I probably should be a little more thoughtful about, you know, how I'm spending my precious life force here on this thing that doesn't care about me.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree. I think I like where we're ending up. It's not that we're trying to say it's bad or it's good. I think what we're saying is it's like a gun. It's a tool. It's like a gun. It can be bad especially when you don't treat it with respect and know what, how it should be used. Um, also, it's foolish to say you should never have one, should never have, right. you should know, never use it, always stay away. Like that's really foolish. Maybe I'm tipping my hand a little bit here. <laughs> but I, I think it's very similar. It's, I, would be, I'm, I would be more nervous, if I'm being honest, like people might laugh at this, I would rather teach my son how to ha- have his own gun, give him a forty five pistol and teach him safety and how to use it then give him access to Facebook. That, that is not even hard. He doesn't have a gun and he doesn't have Facebook. <laughs> but if I had to choose today, I would teach him safety with a gun. Yeah. Before I gave him unfiltered access to Facebook.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I, you know, I mean, kids were always taught guns uh, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, for you know, when I was a kid, I mean, uh, marksmanship was taught in school. You know, it's one of those things that uh, that people raise their eyebrows about now, but yeah. the reality of it is, it's just a tool.
1: Like and in, and like where you're. Where we live now. I, yeah, I don't really. know. I know that we both have roots in parts of different parts of the country. Yeah. But there, it wasn't the town I grew up in, but not far from the town I grew up in. They got out of school. Literally school got out on the first day of duck season and deer season. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not even like, it's, it's absolutely true. They would give them a day. Um, it was awesome. just so much of the culture and the, and the food and the experience. The, yeah. Like they didn't have school. Yeah. <laughs> and we tell people here and they're like, blows their mind.
0: No. Right, right. Yeah, no, we we never had that. But I would have. I, I never, I never hunted duck, or I went deer hunting once. Oh, really? But I, and I never hunted duck. But I would have gladly taken those days off school. <laughs> yeah, regardless. I,
1: I wasn't a hunter either. I don't have a problem with those that hunt. Yeah, you know, me neither. Their deer jerky's delicious. I'm glad they did. I know
0: it. I I love it when they overfill the freezer and donate it to me.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I think hunting's like generational. And what I mean by that, by that if your dad hunted. There's a good chance that like you got into it some or exposed to it, and my dad didn't hunt, and his dad didn't hunt, right? And so getting into it, it's kind of expensive. It's kind of like golf. Like it's it's actually more expensive than golf to get into. I mean the, the gear and the access and the guns, like. And so I know this is not what we're talking about. You can edit this out later, Jason. Um, no, nah, it's all good. But I've noticed that like it, it's, it's a, the best part. Common to me how it, it's interesting to me like how generational it is, and yeah. I for me to break the gap. And be a, become a hunter, it would just be pretty expensive. And I don't know what I'm doing. And so now I'm like, I'll just teach, him, I'll just teach my kid how to play basketball. Just go to YouTube, man. You can <laughs> learn how to be a hunter on YouTube. I, I could learn it, but then I've got to still go buy a couple shotguns and get access to a duck blind somewhere.
0: Uh, I, you know, I, I, for me... Like I love venison. My my dad mm-hmm. and my brother, they're both big deer hunters. So every fall, man, I look forward to it, you know? Yeah. Deer meat in the fridge, deer meat in the fridge. We always had healthy food in the fridge. And yeah. So for me it was great just go raid the fridge and always had some some fresh venison there. Yeah. And uh but for me it was like I didn't want to get up at three o'clock in the morning and I didn't want to sit in a tree and wait and freeze. Yeah. You know. It's like they love it and they're gonna bring the meat home, so why do I need to go anywhere?
1: Yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> wife's the introvert. Me. Maybe she would, maybe she should get into hunting. She would probably like, other than the three o'clock in the morning, she might like the idea of sitting in a little hut somewhere, being alone and not having to talk to anyone all day. That sounds miserable to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now that sounds good to me from time to time. You know, I I do need some exposure away. I can run the gamut. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, definitely not editing this out is the best part. (laughs) So no, but I mean, yeah, I guess we should bring it back around though. Yeah, sure. We were talking a little bit about, goals and then we got into social media and how that can impact you right and yeah. basically your mindset and, and and your attention and all these things are obviously are important as it relates to what you want to create right and i don't want to gloss over it and just pretend that it doesn't matter because there's so many points that were made there and one of the ones that i wanted to reiterate was i think the last one you made where you went to facebook and you came away with something mm-hmm. right you came away with something it wasn't necessarily positive and it robbed you of uh, peace of mind for a certain period of time. Yeah. Now, for some people, that period of time might be five minutes. For others, it might be five days. We don't know, right? Like, how upset were you by that thing? So, at the end of the day, is it going to serve you if you're in the pursuit of creating something great and something bigger than yourself to run that risk? Probably not. You no. know, probably no. not. So, for me, like when I go to social media, I go to post. You know, I'll respond to any immediate comments and then I shut it off and mm-hmm. I just wait for any other thing that's important for me to check out or come through before I pick it up again. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm not looking for entertainment there. Yeah. And because I find myself addicting, you know, uh, you know, stepping into that addictive behavior where I, I will sit there and just flip like a slot machine over and over yeah. and over again. You know, show me something new, show me something new, show me something new. Yeah. Next thing I know, an hour's gone.
1: <clears throat> so let me ask you a question about that. because I my. I have a theory, and I don't know if it's true or not or if it'll sound true, but my theory about doing the feed that way is one of two things will happen. It'll impact you emotionally because you'll see joy and death and sensationalism, things that should make you angry or frustrated. Like You'll see it. Yeah. And one of two things will happen. You'll either become sad, angry, happy, frustrated, or you won't. Over time, you won't. You'll just stop. And I don't know that I like either one of those. I don't know that I'll want to scroll past someone's Pet dying that meant a lot to them and me like completely ca- not caring.
0: Not caring, yeah.
1: Or someone you know losing a loved one and like you know that that's harshing the mellow and we're just gonna keep on the feet. Like, or I don't want to look at it and then literally bear the weight of everything that I'm reading and take it back and say to my family, "You have." you know, a 40% emotionally available, <laughs> you know, husband and father right now. Right, exactly. I don't know how you figured the balance out, but I think one of those two things has to happen. You either desensitize yourself to it. if, if And what I mean by that, if you're doing it all the time, I think if you go in pieces, which is what you and I are talking about, some yep. kind of like, what are you using it for? Having a balanced perspective of why you go to Facebook. But if you're just exposing yourself to that much feeling all the time, you either have to be impacted by it, mm-hmm. Or you coach your brain how not to be impacted by it, and I don't know that I like either one of those as an option for me. But I'm curious what you think about that.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's valid. I think it's 100 percent valid. And for me personally, you know, I think the sort of hit it and quit it mentality. I pull it up, I check, I'm gone. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't get. I, I do my best not to get sucked in because, like I said before, that addictive part of me that's curious just mm-hmm. wants to keep going down the rabbit hole. Right? Yeah. And I think I think when when you were talking about um you know how it impacts you for me the philosophy that i do my best to carry throughout life whether it's facebook or personal interactions or whatever is that of the stoics and this is going to sound kind of strange and harsh you know but mm-hmm. just to kind of illustrate the point i'll 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 pick one of the probably least palatable examples, right? (laughs) So one of the least palatable examples I've ever heard from Stoic philosophy is uh, this statement that you should be no more upset if your wife dies than Mm -hmm. that if your neighbor's wife dies. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Sounds horrible, right? Yeah. But what is he really saying here?
1: Human life is valuable. He's saying all... I think that's what he's saying. Yes,
0: exactly, right? So that's beautiful, right? So he's saying that all lives are valuable, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that they're gonna, they should impact you similarly, and how you choose to allow that impact to be completely comes down to the story you tell yourself. So, if it's true that humans are meaning-making machines, and I believe that they are, mm-hmm. then the meaning that I assign to my wife's life and the meaning that I assign to my neighbor's wife's life is totally up to me. What am I gonna choose? Yeah. So if I know I'm, what your wife wants you to choose. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but if I'm flipping through Facebook, right? Yeah. It's the same sort of a thing. Yeah. I see wildfires in Australia right now or whatever the thing is or California. Mm-hmm. Uh and then I see a cat and then I see you know a political video and then I see some awesome uplifting video from you know impact theory or something like that. Something philosophical philosophical that makes yeah. me think. And so am I going to allow that to impact my day? Well, I hope not, unless I'm choosing the positive side because that's what's going to serve me in creating my outcomes. Yeah. But the reality is I'm doing my best to look at it with neutrality and not be impacted by it. Yeah. Because if I allow myself to be impacted by it, then I open the door to be impacted by all of it. Mm-hmm. So I think having that curation of your feed and being careful, not just sitting there flipping willy-nilly mm-hmm. is important. If, and, and I find myself nowadays, if I go like one flip, two flips, and I don't see anything, I'm out of there. That's right? great. Yeah. I'm out of there, man. Because if I, I know if I keep going, I'll find something. Yeah. And it'll either, like you said, it'll impact me either positively or negatively. And then I'm going to carry that. The thing about the positive piece is it's great because, okay, well, something, you know, all right, I picked up a new piece of philosophy or I picked up a great, you know, uh, business conversation and I can apply those tools in my life. Yeah. Boom. I'm off and running. Right. Here's the the problem with the negative thing is what do I do with it? Right. Let's say. You know, someone's talking to me about wildfires in Australia. Okay, am I going to fly to Australia? Probably not. Yeah. You know, probably not. They don't need me there yet, right? If 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 they need me there, ultimately I would go. But they don't need me there right now. I would just be in the way. So, am I going now? Um. You know, there's this uh documentary on Netflix that had to do with uh this guy who killed a cat online. I don't know if you've seen this thing. I heard about the cat. It's crazy. I didn't so he puts, a, he puts a kitten in a plastic bag and zips it up and basically suffocates the cat, right? And basically, there's a group of people who set out to find him, right? Yeah. And so they're interviewing all these people who watched the video. They don't show the video, and I didn't go look it up, and I don't recommend that you do. But they showed these people who watched that negative video of this cat suffocating and dying, right? And they're literally livid and want to do something with that energy, but they have no place to put it. Mm-hmm. There's no place to put it. They don't know who the guy is. They don't know where he's at at this, t- at this point in time. You know, they, he could be across the world. There's no indication. So what do you do with that, yeah. right? The positive stuff, okay. But what do you do with that negative stuff? Are you going to hold on to that? Mm-hmm. If you don't hold on to it, what are you going to do? Are going to share that with your buddy? right? Yeah, just watch this terrible thing. Come see it with me. Yeah, you know, let me s- yeah. help me spread the negativity. That's the issue that 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 you run into there.
1: Finding an outlet to express that right negative energy, yeah,
0: right. And so for me, that would be the challenge. But when I'm looking at it as a neutral observer, that's really my goal.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, I think of the uh, when you talk about how you're going to be impacted by energy around you, uh, and you probably use the word energy more than I do, but I know what you mean. Like you, we have these influences all around us that are going to, like, make changes sure. and affect us. I think of, uh, like, a boulder on, at the apex of a mountain, mm-hmm. just balancing there. And you can think of which way the boulder will go down. It's like one's a good way, like this lane that we want to go. This other way is a, you know angry lane, emotional lane, addictive lane, whatever. But it, it depends on which way it goes on where that, what impacts it. The boulder, like a boulder gets hit by negative energy and it's going to go down this negative path. I think that when you n- realize that we are susceptible to that kind of influence, that's why bringing it back to one of the things we talked about earlier, it's so important to be able to correctly identify what brings those influences into my life and who who am I going to put in my circle. So then I start thinking of like a wall around that boulder and the only way, they only break in the wall and break the wrong, the only gap in the wall is down the path I want to go. And so, yeah, am I impacted? Sure. But then I have walls and safeguard around me to help keep me on task, on focus, motivated, keep my energy up for my family and for my friends. So that the impact is lessened, but we can't do that. If we're just, I would say as open book, a sponge, a boulder on top of a mountain with no safeguards around us to be Mm -hmm. Pushed whichever way the algorithm, the newsfeed, you know, our immature friends push us. Right. You know, life will push us the wrong way sometimes. You'll you'll get an illness you didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll lose a loved one. I'm not saying be, you know, hopefully it impacts your wife more if your wife (laughs) dies than if your neighbor's wife. But the but you'll have a spouse die. So what do you do? Uh, You'll be impacted. But I think I'm talking about the I would say the regular day to day energies influences that get pushed on us. If you don't know where you're headed, you're gonna have a hard time reconciling, reconciling what happens in those scenarios with where you need to be with accomplishing your goals and staying on mission.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like the, you know, the Alice in Wonderland, right? Like if you don't, if you, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there kind of a thing. That's great. And I love that analogy of having, you know, this sort of gated energy at the top of the mountain, you know, with one path, Mm-hmm. and the boulder can only go so far in the wrong direction. And that takes us back to what we were originally talking about with that accountability piece. You've got that circle around you, making sure you don't veer too far off path, so that you can't come back, right? Yeah. Imagine that boulder going halfway down the mountain before you turn it around, right? That's a, that's a Herculean task, right. right, of the highest order. So if, as long as you keep it near the peak, you know, and you can steer that a little bit and roll it down the path it needs to roll down, then, hey, man, chances are you're going to hit that outcome, or at least have a good chance at it. Right. And that's the thing that I think when it comes to this whole New Year's thing, I know we got, I know we got kind of uh, deep down the social media rabbit hole, but it really is, it really does mirror real life. And so that's the reason I didn't really bring it back, because mm-hmm. I mean we can say it's Facebook, but really Facebook is just a mirror of what's happening in the real world. Yeah. And um, to whatever degree the algorithm impacts that, it impacts that. But at the same time it 's still fairly valid, yeah, so whether it 's the social media world or like you said, the real life circle of friends that are going to keep you accountable or not, you got to be aware of that, and you got to have that intention mm-hmm. that you 're going to say no when you need to say no, and then continue to move in the direction that you said you're going that you were going to, regardless of circumstance, outcome, or emotion, yeah, and that 's the piece I think that so many people miss when it comes to creating outcomes around the first of the year first of the month, Monday, next week, (laughs) you know, whatever temporal reset you want to use, you know, there, it's always going to happen at that point in time. And then you fall off the wagon. Well, where is your, where is your shift going to come from? Maybe you're the type of person that requires that extrinsic motivation. Like you were talking about that guard gate around you, that those people around you, or maybe you're the person who's able to generate that on your own. Mm -hmm. But at some point, one of those systems is going to break down and you as an individual is, are going to have to have the wherewithal to pick yourself up and keep going. And so when it comes to the new year stuff and we, you know, and, and, and hitting outcomes, targets, goals, whatever you want to call them, it's not about the goal, mm-hmm. right? It's not about the goal. It's about the systems that you put in place to help you get there. Yeah. You know, are you seeing that when you're working with people?
1: Yeah. It, and um, I'd say it's a balance between those two things that you just said. Uh, but I think that you're spot on is that the systems that you have in place are going to help get you where you're going. And if you change where you're going, but your system works, then that will be a much more effective way of accomplishing, like I would say that alternative goal. Right. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. I w- I would say uh, when it comes to this idea of like rugged individualism versus versus uh, doing something your own versus having people around you, uh, I, I would say a lot of people look at the, that version of doing something with other people, having other people around you. is like a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Like the, the person is uh, someone in the middle on a couch like weeping. And as, as, as other people kind of like coach them along and push them along. And I would say I don't look at it that way. Right. I look at, look at it more like you have like five sophisticated generals um, around a war table. Uh, and they're talking about should we breach the lines here or breach the lines here. And they're all experts, but they, they're they a much more powerful unit because they are they have a singular goal but different perspectives and bring different experiences. And I would say um, I think everyone needs that. I don't think that there's a, uh, a stage that you get to in life where you don't need it. I think everyone needs it. Everyone benefits from it. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about therapy. That's fine if you need it. I'm talking about I think everyone will – will have better goals and reach their goals better when they have that war room mentality around your goals. I'll give you an example. One of the things I'm going to do in the next three weeks, whether well, it was the first week in January, so I've already told people last week in January, I'm going to propose my business plan, marketing plan, the whole plan for what I, my line of work is for the year, and I'm inviting some people over to bring bourbon, <laughs> I'm going to try different kinds of <laughs> bourbon, and then criticize it. Right. Um, I'm self-employed now, and so I don't have a. I don't answer to a board. I don't answer to employees or employers. So how do I bring people around to challenge me? And that's how I'm going to do it: bourbon, (laughs) and then say, poke holes in this. What am I not thinking about? What What are some areas where I'm foggy? Where I need to have clarity? What are some Mm -hmm. things I'm spending too much time on? I plan on showing them my calendar. Like, here's how my day Mm -hmm. normally looks, and just have them go. I'm not sure I'd spend so much time on that. Um, I think that. That a healthy thing to do. Here, here we are—the first week of 2020. Would say break your life down in four categories. I'm going to leave this with you. Didn't ask, but this is what I'm going to say. No, hit it, man. Um, family, faith, fitness, and finances. And those are not original to me. That is my pastor's alliteration. But I think you can see most areas of your life fit nicely in those areas: mm-hmm. family, faith, fitness, and finances. And if you're a business owner, that's where I'd slide finances to. And then I would make. What's your ten-year goal on those, and how does and then and then have like a six-month and a one-year goal that gets you to that ten-year goal, and then tell them to your friends, the ones you trust. Find some people that like can make sense and say, "What do you think about this? Here's how I'm going to reach them. What do you think about that? All right, can we talk again in six months? Now, I may mean, I talk before six months, but can we have a conversation in six months to see how we're doing? That's what I would do. I think a, a short path, a short easy step is make you one or two. 10 year goals in those four areas. Then to ask yourself, what does that look like next six months, next year? And then bring people in that you trust that either love you well or are experts and will not love you poorly (laughs) to give you feedback on that.
0: Love me well, baby. (laughs)
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I, 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 I concur with that for sure. I think, the issue for a lot of people hearing that would just be, well, do I have those people? Are those people available to me? Did, did Sean just give me another task? Yeah. <laughs> I have to go do this work first, you know? And I, 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 can, I, I completely see the value in that. I,
1: I, those people aren't listening, right? Probably not. If they're, if they're the, I mean, I don't mean that ugly. I don't, I don't mean that we're, like, superior. What I mean is, if, if they really are, if they really do believe, like, that sounds like a task and I'm not interested, thanks, Sean they probably never will listen to this podcast anyway. <laughs> and if they did listen to for some reason today, toned, they tuned out a long time ago. But if yeah. someone's a little bit interested in, in accomplishing a goal and they say that does seem overwhelming, what I'm trying to say to them is pick maybe pick one of those areas. I right. think you can say those are four key areas. Pick one of those areas, have one small goal, and bring in one person. Say, can we talk about this in three months? Like, just those are little baby steps. And if they're not interested, if that sounds like a task, like, we lost them a long time ago, brother.
0: <laughs> I couldn't agree more, my friend. Yeah, I love that. Uh, obviously, it it's just comes back to that mastermind idea. You yeah. know, you're, you're filling a room with people who are on a similar mission or similar journey and have interest in seeing you get where you want to go. I think there's a tremendous amount of value and power in that, right? I mean, one of the reasons people set, you know, these goals around New Year's is because the energy in the air is everyone is setting goals around new year, right? Yeah. If the energy in the air was, you know what? I'm actually going to commit to a process this year, then, the in, then people would be committing to a process for the year. And that's what would happen because that would be what the influence is. Yeah. And, and so for me, I think that if people want to just break it down, right? Like you have your 10-year vision, 10-year goals, whatever you want to call them, targets, outcomes, depending on your school of thought, at the end of the day, if you just look at the world as one big feedback mechanism and reverse engineer the steps, you're going to be making progress, Mm -hmm. right? And whether you're keeping counsel with yourself and you have that mastermind in your head, or whether you're keeping counsel with others and smart people Mm -hmm. and you're keeping counsel with them, as long as you're using the results as your guide, you can't get lost. The only way you get lost is if you allow yourself to lie to yourself. And that's, I think the biggest benefit of having people surround you because they will absolutely let you know, Hey, Sean, you're lying to yourself, brother. Yeah. Show was, me your results, man. Show I'll, me your results.
1: I was going to say, I'm not going to get tricked into conceding this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think you should walk away from this conversation. And I'm, I'm going to even, I want to give you room to disagree with me, but I want it clear where I stand. I don't think sure. you should, should walk away from this conversation and say, if you can mastermind yourself, then great, good for you. I'm saying, I don't think you can mastermind yourself. Mm. I think some are better at it than others. Some are more honest with themselves and others. And I'm saying, I don't see anyone that should ever do it alone. Mm. I don't. I I think our tendency is to lie to ourselves, is to believe we always have the best answers. And even if you aren't one of those people, you'll still be better off with other people giving you feedback and holding Mm. you accountable. And I think, so I'm not going to concede the point that there's a group (laughs) of people that should mastermind. And then there's these other group that shouldn't need to and I would say there might be people that are better off on, on their own that's for sure so, <laughs> I, you don't have to go very far <laughs> you don't have to go very far to see that there are certainly better pe- people that are better off on their own than other people they would not know how to tie their own shoe uh, I'm just saying I don't think there's a class of people that are immune from the dangers and risks of isolating themselves um, and you might not like the word isolating and I but I, that is what you're doing if you say my mastermind is myself my truest input is my own input. And I'm saying, I don't buy that. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's a good idea.
0: So I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that. Yeah. Um, Cause I picked, l- I picked a fight like I, 45 I, minutes in an hour. No, no, <laughs> Cause because I love this topic yeah. and because I love you as a person and um, we are the type of people who can be honest with yeah. one another. So when I'm referring to that, and again, this is, comes back to humans being meaning making machines, right? So when I'm coming back to that is the mastermind, in my opinion, can be formed from people who don't exist right? So maybe you've read a book that was 200 years old, Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe you had a mentor who died in early childhood or what have you, right? And these people's voices live on in your head, right? I'm not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that anyone listening to this should only listen to yourself, you know, not in Mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form, because as you said, you know, isolation is not a good way to make decisions. Yeah. You know, making decisions in a vacuum is is not going to end well. However, that doesn't mean that if you're you know, someone who lives out in a rural area and you don't have access to mentors that you can't pick up a book or you can't listen to a podcast or you can't, you know, remember great-grandfather who died in 1901's final, you know, letter to your, to your father, whatever the thing is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can pull from all of those influences and amalgamate that information, you know, and use it based on results. Like, at the end of the day, I don't care who you have around you. Like, if you have someone, no one, 15 people, three people, ever how many people you have around you, it doesn't matter if your results don't add up. So at the end of the day, if my vision is telling me, Jason, you're going the wrong direction, and I've got a mastermind, or I don't have a mastermind, mm-hmm. I'm doing something wrong. I've got to listen to my results. Mm-hmm. And one of my mentors, like, he's dead, and one of, his, one of my favorite quotes from him was, there's no greater way to gauge a man than by results. Mm-hmm. Often harsh, but always fair. And if you look at it that way, And you, and you have the ability to pony up numbers. Like if you and I were sitting in a room right now and I said, Sean, show me your numbers, right? Yeah. You might have an opinion about your numbers, but I got the facts about your numbers. Yeah. And if you're looking at the facts, then you've got the facts without me. The only problem arises if you look at the facts and you say, these are fiction, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, in the example that you're giving, you know, a couple of different ways to approach it. The guy out in the woods. Yeah, of course. I'm not saying you're, you're screwed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There's
0: hope if you live in the woods. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we have so much to learn. Like, I mean, I mean, if it's not clear already, like my faith and tells me like that the Bible is true and that is written 100% by dead Dead people, dead people thousands of years ago. (laughs) Um, And that's where I get this truth about reality. That, I mean, I'm glad you iso- picked
0: up on that because I was, <laughs> I, was, I didn't want to use that against you.
1: Yeah, no, no. no I, well, I, but I think did. in that old book um, written by dead people, one of those dead guys <laughs> is the one who said, um, he that isolate, isolates himself is not wise. And I right. think what you're saying is you don't, you're not isolating yourself if you're bringing in good truth from other places right. and being held accountable by results. And I would just say uh, the pride and hubris that lurks within every man can tempt us to manipulate the facts that are before us in a way that benefits our own view of ourselves. Mm. The best way to root through that is someone who will love you well by saying, brother, that is not what the numbers say. The numbers right. say you are spending $800 in your court car note and you cannot do that. <laughs> you know, uh, no, but this, and I, I, and I would say there is strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. Uh, I'm not saying it fixes every problem. Yeah. I'm saying I don't see a situation where it can't help you get better.
0: I agree with that. As long as it's the right people. I For think sure. Live counsel is better than dead counsel, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, even if you have, the reality is, if, even if you have bad counsel, someone's face is not going to lie to you. right? So if I look at you and I tell you, I report back my facts, and your face tells me they're fiction, then I already know without you saying a word. Yeah. And it sounds stupid saying it. No, it doesn't. Right? Yeah. Like I mean i mean just from the point of like if, if I'm not if I'm not believing what the what what my results are telling me, it yeah. sounds stupid when I verbalize those to another person. Mm-hmm. Because verbalizing them is an acknowledgement that they exist. Yeah. And I'm telling you that this is not reality. Yeah. So something in my head has to be broken at that point and I have to realize, huh, yeah, no bueno, son. No bueno. You know? I like that.
1: No bueno. Yeah, well uh yeah. So I want people, my goal, you know, my goal is I want people around me that would say that to me. No bueno, Sean. 100%. That's not what the numbers say. 100%. I'm, I have a background in words. And so I can twist words um, and reason in a way to, that benefits me. I know that. And so when someone, like, I know that I can. I'm not saying I can out-twist anyone. I'm just saying that's, <laughs> that's in me You're to not do it. you making it a competition. No, I'm just saying that if I that if I rely on myself, I know that I can. I can twist and manipulate. Mm -hmm. Certainly I can manipulate myself if it benefits me. And so it's really good to have people around that go, that go, Hey, no bueno, son.
0: That's it, man. That's it. No, I agree a hundred percent. If it's, if it's a question of, you know, live counsel or not, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think the benefit to having live counsel is you get that real, that real time reaction, that Mm -hmm. face to face reaction is no one can lie to you when they're looking at you. You know I mean? It's just one of those things. So at the end of the day, if you, my point was is if you don't have access to that yet, oh, yeah, right, and you want to get started, get started, pick for up sure. a book for you know, sure, <laughs> even an old one like Sean's Bible, right? Go <laughs> yeah. steal Sean's Bible. I got one read for it. you. <laughs> you let me know, you he <laughs> you might even them. give you one, right? <laughs> That's right? Start picking up those words, right? Because mm-hmm. those words, anything in print, it's not going to change. Now, your interpretation might just like I might interpret it your word, interpret your words differently yeah. than how you mean them, however. Those can still serve you, and those can still propel you along the way. And if you're the type of person who does have the capability of looking at your results and saying, eh, "I'm off path," then hey, get going. Don't yeah. wait. You know, don't wait till you have a team to start. I guess is what I'm saying. That's
1: good. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I see where you're going with that. Start now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Ready, fire, aim, as as the book says. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. I do feel sad though for people that that are, you know, alone on these missions, you know, yeah. even the I would say the most driven, motivated, uh, excellent introverts, mm-hmm. I'm a collaborator. So I like, I, I look at collaboration as not a, um, inconvenience, but as a benefit or perk of whatever that I'm doing, any kind of mission that I'm accomplishing, mm-hmm. accomplishing. I think the, the collaboration involved with it is part of the fun, not, not a necessity Agreed. that, oh man, you know, I, a necessary evil, not at all. I really like it. So I, I, I will caveat my, comments with that very true disclosure about myself that I do prefer collaboration. But I also think that, that what you said as far as like, if you don't have it, that's not a, that's not an excuse to not make a goal. It's not an excuse to try to better yourself. It's not an excuse to not be held accountable by results that are right there in front of your face or for heaven's sake, pick up a freaking book.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The world is one big feedback mechanism. And if you think of it that way, you know, and again, coming back to the Stoics, separating yourself, you know, if you look at yourself as an observer, mm-hmm. then you're capable of seeing the fact. If you're not capable of seeing yourself from an observer's standpoint, then you have to have those people now. And that's just reality. I'm not, you know, I don't want to mince words and pretend mm-hmm. that, that the people that are going to guide you along are not important. They're, they're paramount yeah. of the highest order. However, you know, if, you're, if you are able to observe And the best way to observe yourself is to look at your results. Yeah. Right. Then get started, you know, let your results be your guide and keep moving until, and those people I think will then start to show up Yeah. because then the right questions will come to mind. It's like, okay, well I don't know how to do landing pages or Facebook ads, or I don't know how to strategically plan my next 90 days, whatever the thing is. Yeah. I need to find someone who can help me strategically you know, plan my next 90 days so that I'm not wasting time or, Mm -hmm. you know, or just spinning my wheels kind of a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where someone like Sean comes into play. Heck yeah. Can help you help (laughs) you do just that for sure. Yeah, man.
1: That's good. That's really good.
0: Sweet brother. And
1: you said three,
0: I'm, I'm keeping you late.
1: Um, it's probably a good time to wrap.
0: Yep. Good time to wrap it up. Yeah. Cool deal, brother, man. Hey man, I really appreciate you.
1: I appreciate you. This is always fun.
0: I, dude, I always learn so much from you. It's ridiculous. I love having you on. I appreciate it.
1: That, that's humbling. I learn a lot, too. <laughs> I really enjoy the conversation.
0: I really do, man. I really do. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming up today. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. You always bring the heat. And, uh, yeah, tell these folks how they can get in touch with you, though, brother. I mean, I know you're still building your business yeah. in the consulting world. Um, yeah. How can folks get in touch with you if they're interested in working with you?
1: So, wootrain.com, which is W-O-O-T-R-A-I-N.com, is my website. You can reach me at Sean at uh, Email me. Uh, I'd love to talk. I get emails almost every day about something related to growing a business or growing in leadership, and I'd love for your listeners to be a part of that. Uh, I write an email that I – two months ago it was daily. I'm getting back to daily. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, wutrain.com And if you have any questions, uh, I'd love to talk and – work with you, help you meet your goals.
0: Definitely do that guys. Sean is an amazing man. Seriously. He's got a tremendous amount of value to bring and, um, he walks the walk, doesn't just talk about it. That's one of the things I appreciate most about him. So reach out to him, uh, step into his world. Appreciate you guys, uh, time and attention, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys, and if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, and if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com, or Pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.